Hello, everyone, and welcome to Everyday Sublime. This is your host, Josh Summers, and it's an honor and real pleasure to have you here with me today. Okay, this is a, an, a Dharma talk that I gave last week, which is part of an ongoing series of talks. And these, the series of talks is looking at how we can collaborate with our energy and kind of parts of our personality or subparts, subparts of our personality, how we can collaborate with these elements of ourselves to support the development and experience of inner peace or stillness or samadhi. And one of the themes or notes I've been trying to hit on for quite some time now is that inspired by many of the Taoist teachings, there really is, I think, a compelling relationship between what an individual's capacity for inner peace and understanding the mechanisms of how that inner peace is recognized and abided within. The, the same capacities of the personality that help facilitate that realization of inner peace also are the very capacities that I think support uh, external peace. And I say that at a time where we're now the second into the second week of the war in Ukraine. And like many of you, if not all of you, I am more or less speechless in the face of this crisis, the humanitarian crisis, the geopolitical ramifications, the, um, and as my friend Bob Wright will suggest, um, the increasing difficulty of the globe to, to tackle truly globally um, massive problems if elements of the globe are at war with each other. It just becomes much harder. So that our collective peace is very much under threat and has been under threat for quite some time. Um, so I, I, I hope that by developing the capacities for inner peace, and specifically developing the capacities for deep listening, cognitive empathy, which is the ability to see, see the world through another's eyes, or to imagine how another person sees the world. In the talk that I'm uh, giving here today, I'm primarily um, setting the stage for cognitive empathy towards uh, sub-personalities of ourselves. So we can start to listen to these parts of ourselves with the same kind of um, kind of em empathic imagination that would allow us to see how that part or how that other is seeing the world. And from there, as I'll say in subsequent episodes, uh, from that capacity for cognitive empathy, we then can start to get into a, a peaceful negotiation for how we can collaborate with a part or with an other to support, trust, goodwill, and ultimately peace. This is what I'm attempting to do here. So I hope you like the process. Uh, many members of the Sangha have been finding that this kind of inner dialogue work, which is based on the psychotherapeutic model of internal family systems, um, many people have been finding this is very helpful to really compassionately engage with difficult energy within, something that I'm referring to more and more as ice. Difficult energy being isolated, contracted energy. So in this process of yin meditation and yin yoga, I'm trying to broadly suggest we are melting ice. We are melting the isolated, contracted energy within us to integrate it, nourish it, and ground it. Um, and we're doing that with my adaptation of a mindfulness formula that Michelle McDonald coined called RAIN. Uh, RAIN stands for recognition, acknowledgement, and allowance. 
investigation, and nourish or non-identify. Um, my adaptation of this acronym, the compassion, the, what I'm calling compassionate RAIN, is to see the R as more of a compassionate receptivity, and that's what I'm reflecting on in this talk. Subsequent talks will look at the compassionate aspect of alignment. What does it mean to be compassionately aligned with experience, with oneself, with a part of oneself? And from that alignment of inner listening with compassion, intending to support cognitive empathy, um, we'll look at how to inquire of these various energies or subparts of ourselves, how to collaborate a dialogue of inquiry with them, and then ultimately the N in my formulation stands for negotiation. What does compassionate negotiation with a part look like in terms of uh, supporting and facilitating greater trust, goodwill between you and the part or with you and the party, and um, ultimately, hopefully, peace, as I was saying. So I hope you enjoyed today's talk. And um, if you would like to participate in some of the live talks that I give or some of the live classes that Terry and I teach, uh, you can do that by becoming a member of our online practice community where we teach regular weekly online yin yoga classes, online qigong classes with yin yoga, and online meditation classes. Those are our, our main offerings. We call it a kind of a, a synergy of trinity, the trinity practices of qigong, yin yoga, and contemplative meditation. They work really well um, and, and kind of cross-train the person to, I think, uh, support the evolution and transformation of their practice um, more readily. So I highly recommend uh, checking us out. I would very much appreciate your, your patronage, your support. Um, your membership also helps produce the content of the podcast. So it's good karma back and forth between us. So you can check out um, our website, joshsummers.net forward slash sangha, S-A-N-G-H-A. There's all the information you will need about uh, how to participate with our classes or how to have access to our library of banked recorded replays where there are workshops, tutorials, in addition to all our past backlog of classes. Um, so even if you're new to these practices, there's a lot there to get you up and running. You can take the basic workshops, the basic tutorials, and that will really uh, on-ramp you into the kind of practice community that we are hosting. So, um, and then the other last thing I'll mention before the talk now is that uh, a smaller subset of the audience, I'm guessing, are yin yoga fanatics. And if you're a yin yoga enthusiast or a fanatic and you're interested in learning more about traditional Chinese medicine, I, um, I was a practicing acupuncturist for almost 20 years until the middle of the pandemic when I moved to Maine from Boston. I, I more or less have retired my practice, but I still keep my license up and I've been thinking on how to integrate the, the kind of the core essential themes of Chinese medicine and how to apply those and integrate them to the practice of yin yoga. So I'll be offering this spring a 50-hour online on-demand training looking at how to integrate traditional Chinese medicine and yin yoga. Registration for this training is open until April 15th. So you have until April 15th to register, and then you'll have till the end of May to complete all the, the courses 
meaning the, the videos, the practices, the re reflections, and the ultimate quiz. So if that's of interest to you, if you're a yin yoga teacher or just a sincere yin yoga practitioner looking to integrate and understand and really experientially understand how uh, yin yoga can integrate the, the insights of traditional Chinese medicine into the practice, do check that out. And there's a link for you in the show notes on that. Okay. Thanks so much for listening today, and without further ado, I now bring you today's talk, Compassionate Receptivity. Okay, so welcome back, everyone. Good to have you all here. Um, Terry and I had a, a lovely practice day with some of you on Saturday. Um, is our second now day-long retreat uh, with the Sangha. And uh, coming out of that retreat, uh, practice day, one of the really lovely things is that even though that I, I might practice with Terry regularly, I don't often get to um, take a class with her. So while you were getting Qigong and Yin Yoga with Terry, I was just off camera to the side over here participating. And um you know, out of a day of, of practice like that, continuous practice for most of the day, um, one of the benefits we find is that as practitioners, we start to see um, not just ourselves more clearly, but we start to see dynamics within the practice more clearly and how certain, certain practices feed into each other and support each other. And in kind of picking up on some of Terry's cues in terms of the Qigong particularly, um, I was finding kind of a, a, a new way of, of seeing some of the interrelationships between um, what we do in Qigong, what we do in yin yoga, and what we do in the meditation. Um, and I'd like to speak a little bit about kind of the overlap or the, the continuity of themes that, that occur through those practices. Um, but I want to put that in the that, that, that meta view, I want to put that view of, of our practices in context with maybe you know, a broader sense of what one way to think about practice. Um, and I've, I've used this in, in, uh, analogy in the past, um, but it occurred to me a few years ago that uh, a lot of our practice is like entering into a life simulator. And uh, just as, as, a, as a pilot might go into a simulator for a flight simulator to learn how to fly in a, in a condition that's safe, but can practice working with challenging conditions. Um, I'd say our meditation, our yoga, our Qigong practices are containers of safety, relative safety, obviously, because you don't know what the unforeseeable is, but they're relative uh, containers of safety within which uh, we can explore working with challenging conditions that, that, are, that are unique to our lives. So the, the, the material that emerges while we're practicing is, in some ways, the curriculum of our practice. That, that, which, is, that which arises is what we work with in, in our practice here. Um, so if you take that idea of practice as a simulator, uh, one of the themes that Terry and I have been really trying to teach and reflect on a lot this season is the quality of water having um, fluidity. And the more I keep saying that word fluidity, I realize how much difficulty I have actually speaking or enunciating the word. I mean, my tongue sort of trips on it. But um, 
particularly, I, I really became aware of this on the retreat day that uh, the Qigong teaches us to experience a, you know, a felt embodied sense of fluidity in the body, you know, and, and the simple movement patterns of Qigong really become a mirror to reflect back where is the, the, the flow of the movement obstructed? Where is the flow of the movement maybe uh, seized by too much muscular work, too much tension, too much weight on one foot versus the other? And in kind of working with very basic, simple movement patterns, um, you as the practitioner start to improvise what alterations, what adjustments you need to make in order to come into the intention of greater flow within the movement. And in the last few weeks in my yin yoga teaching, I've been trying to kind of tie that the physical movement, the sense of physical flow to how we occupy the postures of yin yoga, particularly with our breath energy and exploring in the yin practice um, ways of collaborating with the energy of the breath to support it into a smooth, soft, kind of uh, polished or refined uh, dynamic rather than the breath being kind of uh, forced or labored or contracted or squeezed, but to find this, the, the natural ebb and flow or the natural fluidity of the breathing in, in our practice. And those two together, the, the, the support of a kind of a reference experience or an experience that gives you a reference point of fluidity in the body and then fluidity of the breath and energy, these become physical energetic supports to then exploring fluidity in the heart-mind. Um, and so heart-mind is my English translation of the term bodhicitta, which uh, is two, two words from Pali that refer to the awakened citta. Bodhi is citta, uh, sorry, bodhi is awakened and citta is heart-mind. Um, and this is a sense of, of heart consciousness, you know, awake consciousness that is imbued with care, compassion, and love. And, you know, reflecting back on uh, part of my talk last week, what I was trying to share there was how um, when we practice, in a sense, with fluidity, we often may encounter energy dynamics within ourselves, and, and we can call those energy patterns or uh, parts of ourselves that have per, uh, certain fears or anxieties or, or um, just difficult emotions, that these uh, dynamics that come up can feel like frozen ice cubes or frozen blocks of ice or frozen parts of ourselves. And what I really want to get, and I have a quote on this, so I'm going to repeat the quote from last week. Um, these, when we encounter these frozen or challenging parts of our being, you know, our, our hangups or our fears or our neuroses, uh, we can often have a sense that these, these are arising as a problem, that they're arising as something that uh, is a distraction or a, a obstruction in the practice. But really, they're the transforming these energies through compassion, which I'm going to speak about to tonight. <clears throat> transforming these energies with compassion and wisdom is the way that these frozen aspects of ourselves, I think, can become integrated into our capacity to flow with life. 
And flowing with life doesn't mean, you know, everything in life is great. You know, we have to flow and we will be flowing with the, the difficult tax of life that are unavoidable. But the quality of our life is often defined by how well we're able to navigate that, the flow with those conditions. So it's not that this will buffer us from pain or that this will you know, give us an inoculation to um, the things that we fear. But this, um, my hope is that this, this emphasis in the practice will um, allow the parts in us that may be frozen to integrate a bit better. And, and that will then set us up to be better able to flow with what does arise in our life, um, coming out of the simulator of our practice in a way. So the, uh, the, the passage that I ended last week's talk with was from this author, uh, Larry Ward, that we've talked about um, his book, America's Racial Karma, which is the subtitle has uh, an invitation to heal. And he speaks to this uh, dynamic of encountering frozen parts of ourselves here and, and kind of the courage that arises or needs to arise if we're going to work with these frozen parts. So just to repeat this passage briefly, he says, for many of us, the question becomes, am I worthy of being healed? Feelings of guilt, shame, and grief may seem as solid as blocks of ice. So this is the ice metaphor. These difficult feelings, guilt, shame, grief, anger, uh, uh, incredulity. These, These can feel like very strong blocks of ice within us. Or, he says, the anxiety, the anxiety of facing our imperfections, of the, our imperfections becoming more exposed, this anxiety can paralyze us from acting and taking the risk to heal. These anxieties, he says, though, are not, are, are, sorry, these anxieties are part of the healing process. So again, these are not obstructions. They're, they're not obstacles to be feared. They're part of the healing process. But to move into healing requires us to be vulnerable. And it's picking up on that idea of vulnerability that I want to uh, explore some suggestions for how to work with these difficult energies if and when they arise. Now, in yin yoga, some of, many of you have practiced yin yoga now. So in yin yoga, we intentionally bring about a stress to the tissue in an area of the body or a few areas of the body. And in, in kind of marinating in that stress, there's often a the, 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 the experience of being out just outside your, your preferred comfort zone. So you're at, you're at, an, at an edge where the, the tolerance is to the, to the sensation is, um, is bearable. It's not injurious, but it's outside your comfort zone. And really being outside of that comfort zone starts to stretch a sense of vulnerability. Like you still, you realize that you're vulnerable to the forces of the pose. And in playing your edge physically, I'm just using this as a reference point, but in playing your edge physically, one way of describing uh, what the practitioner, i.e. you, needs to bring to that process of playing your edge is that you need to bring a, a sense of compassionate listening. 
And compassion, as I'll be exploring tonight, is really the 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 sensitivity to suffering, sense the sensitivity to pain, and the desire to mobilize um, your energy to release or relieve or heal or integrate that suffering. So when you're listening to your experience in the posture, if you don't have a mild stress there, if you kind of practice in a way that protects you from ever feeling mild stresses, you know that the physical benefit of the practice is lost. The gentle stress that gives kind of a life affirming and, and regenerative stress to the tissue that that stress is that that dynamic that condition is not there and the benefit of the pose is lost so no stress isn't good but of course if you push it or you you go too aggressively you get into a, a high stress situation on the tissue which can prove injurious so the the, the skillful practitioner learns to to swing or or, or adjust to bring and and support the right amount of stress and that's the compassionate response not to have no, like to say well the compassionate thing would be not to stress at all that would be a, a kind of a, a an, kind of an immature or um, kind of incomplete sense of compassion so if you understand that on the on the physical side then one theme I've often tried to bring into our practice sessions here is the, the same notion of bringing um, the idea of playing our edge with challenging emotions, challenging energies, challenging dynamics, challenging subparts of ourselves that arise in our mind and heart while we practice. So tonight, um, I've, I've mentioned last week a, a form of uh, psychotherapy. It's a psychotherapy psychotherapeutic model called internal family systems. And when I mentioned this last week, I said I had had, I've been working with it recently, um, but it's also a system that I, I used many years ago with, a, with an earlier therapist. And I spoke last week saying that I don't believe that meditation practice is a substitute for psychotherapeutic work. So I just want to issue that caveat that the suggestions that I'm going to share tonight are informed, inspired, and adapted from this psychotherapeutic model, but I'm going to offer them very generally um, and try to give you creative license to, to explore how you might, if you want, how you might apply some of these suggestions to your own practice. Um, later this week, I think Around Thursday, I'll be sending out a newsletter, and in that newsletter, I'm going to include an article slash blog that I wrote a couple of years ago about this general idea of how to apply uh, the work of internal family systems to difficult energies if and when they arise in our, in our spiritual practice or life. And in that article, towards the end of it, I said, I don't have a quick, uh, cute summarizing acronym for the process. I, I laid out th four or five steps to the process that I use, um, but I, don't, I didn't have a quick acronym that borrowed a, the first letter of each word to come up with a quick, uh, catchy um, mnemonic uh, name to remember the, the process easily with. But this morning, no less, this, this very morning, um, while I was journaling about it, uh, I realized that there's a very 
common acronym in mindfulness world that's used a lot. And I know many of you know it and use it and love it. And it occurred to me that I could actually just piggyback on that acronym. So the word that you may be familiar with is RAIN. There's a process of, of working with um, difficult mind states, difficult energies uh, that the Vipassana teacher, Michelle McDonald, who was also a student of Saida Upandita's, but um, Michelle McDonald coined this phrase RAIN to describe R, a process of recognizing the state, acknowledging it or accepting it with it, the A, investigating it with the I, and uh, nourishing the energy. Or Originally, it was non-identification, so don't identify with the energy. So that's the original formulation, RAIN, is to recognize, accept, investigate, nourish, or non-identify. And I am going to uh, respectfully adapt it to apply, start to apply some of the, the, the dynamics or, or suggestions from internal family systems. So the, the form of RAIN that I'll be sharing tonight or beginning to share tonight and really will be uh, unpacking over several weeks to come is what I'll be calling compassionate RAIN. So we're, I'm going to add the element of compassion, which is, again, to play one's edge in service of relieving suffering within for now. And, and we'll come back to how the qualities that we cultivate in this process can help us uh, better participate in um, supporting, I would say, a more compassionate engagement with the world. I'll be coming back to the in-the-world applications uh, down the road. But the first R of the compassionate RAIN process, as I'm going to be sharing with you, is compassionate receptivity. So in functional practice, we often say it from the outset, what's the intention behind a practice? Why are we, what, 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 what's the, the reason why that we're, we're engaged with something? So if you Think of, the, again, the yin yoga practice. We, we, know, we name the intention of where in the body we're trying to stress. In terms of the meditation process, um, if we think about the intention here, I would say the intention is to receive that which is suffering so that in receiving it, we can seek to help heal or integrate that suffering. Now, I'm not saying, and I should be clear here, I'm not saying that while we're practicing, from the moment I ring the bell to the moment I ring the three bells at the end, that our, our your meditation will be just chock-a-block, nonstop agony. I'm not saying that's going to happen. What I'm saying is we, we create this safe environment and we relax and listen to ourselves. We listen to our life in our, in our experience. And at times within that, there may be kind of energy patterns, weather patterns of being, emotional patterns, memories, anticipations, things that agitate our experience and, and feel like they get us out of the flow of being fluid with what's arising moment to moment. Um, so 
when this energy comes up, when there's quote unquote difficult energy that may or may not arise in your practice. And if it's not arising, don't go poking for it. Just glide along and, and be happy with or, or settle into the relaxed receptivity of just the pleasant experiences that may be arising for you. Because that there is a, a real um, important place for pleasure in, in the practice. <clears throat> but tonight, what I want to emphasize is that while we're sitting, if there's a challenging energy, if there's a part of you that com comes forward and is, and is having difficulty, um, I want to encourage you to play your edge with it. And playing your edge really has two sides. One is if it's too much, if the energy, the part of you is, is too loud or too flooded or too overwhelmed, there's a real skill in backing off or backing away. So if, 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 you, if you assess that whatever might be arising is too much, then uh, th this is where I would encourage you to redirect your attention gently. And two suggestions for that are to redirect your attention to your hands resting on your lap. This is one suggestion for a perch or opening your eyes with your bringing your hands attention to your, your hands on your lap. So just opening your eyes softly, taking in the visual field, feeling tactile sensations, simple tactile sensations in your body. These are great ways of, of taking a breather or backing off if, if some psychodynamic um, experience is, is getting a lot too much or is becoming too much, uh, a lot for you. But if there's a challenge that arises that feels workable, that you, you uh, in your own estimation, find that you have the tolerance to be with it, it's not pleasant, it's not to your liking, it's not the kind of thing you'd want to order at the buffet every time you went to the buffet, but it's, the, it's what's there and you feel like you can be with it, then um, this is where uh, I'll be suggesting we, we can apply this contemplative rain format. And tonight, I'm just going to have you work with the first piece of this contemplative receptivity, which again, has the intention to, uh, to, to understand and relieve this part of its suffering, to unburden this part of its um, frozenness so that it can be integrated. It's not that the part will go away, the part won't be exiled anymore, the part won't be um, kind of retired into a retirement home of sorts. This part's energy, once it's unfrozen, can then integrate and become part of your, your kind of the orchestra of your being to flow with your life and, and um, what's alive in your life. So the, the side of contemplative receptivity that I want to um, suggest you practice with tonight, and this is, again, this is kind of an improvised suggestion. And that it, it's something that I, I've been playing with recently a little bit and, and kind of came more clearly today for me. But it's the idea of bringing a kind of uh, metta, kind of love, a kind of friendship, a kind of care to these energies in a way so that they start to feel safe and feel heard. That's really the, 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 the two main uh, intentions that I'm, I'm trying to support us to bring to these parts. So when you 
in your sitting, when something does arise, and it, and it doesn't need to be very big either. I want to be very clear. Like it doesn't have to be like some traumatic memory from your past. It doesn't have to be some apocalyptic fear about the future. It could be just that your mind is really getting quiet. And then there's this subtle buzz of agitation. Like, well, should I do something there? Or should I, should I bring my attention? Am I doing this right? You know, there, there's a settling, but then there's a kind of agitation buzz around that. That might be a perfect energy to work with around this. So it doesn't need to be the, the extremes of the of the ends. But when there is this kind of agitation or this energy of, of challenge that emerges, um, <clears throat> if you know the practice of loving kindness, where you repeat phrases a few times to yourself and, and then repeat those phrases to other recipients. I'm going to suggest we try a kind of energy-directed form of metta or energy-directed form of loving-kindness practice. Um, and it's based on, and this is, this is a planting a seed for why I think this approach offers a lot of clues for how peace in the world can be better facilitated. But the 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 kind of this the central premise here is that in order for peace to be negotiated so we're, when we work internally we're working with our inner parts negotiating out a, a, a peace with these parts so that they harmonize with us and, and become inter better integrated but the basis of peace is predicated on goodwill between the two parties that are negotiating that peace so at this phase of the, of the suggestion, what I'm going to suggest, recommend is when you encounter, when there's a suffering energy, when there's a challenge energy that arises, to convey to this energy your intentions of goodwill. And so I'm going to offer three phrases here that, for me, articulate my sense of what goodwill means as I, as I try to enter a peace negotiation or peace relationship with either myself or another person. So the phrases are, and they all build on the, the first clause, which is, may I create conditions for this part or this energy? So you can adapt this language however you like, but the idea is, may I, as the meditator, this is the intention. May I create conditions for this part or this energy to feel safe? May I create conditions for this part or this energy to feel heard? And may I create conditions for this part or this energy to feel integrated? Because a lot of the, the frozenness is, creates a, an isolated relationship within ourselves, where the part of us that's frozen is isolated or alienated from um, working in harmony with the other parts of us. So the idea is to not, again, not get rid of this part of this challenging energy, but to integrate it in, which some might say is a process of healing. And the healing isn't so much that the, the energy disappears, the energy is transformed and integrated within our whole, is the way I understand it. 
So that's the the, the practice tip. This is I, I've uh, been trying to set this up for a few weeks now to, to move in towards really applying some of these specific approaches within the practice. But this is the practice tip for tonight: the the R of contemplative of compassionate rain. The R of compassionate rain is compassionate receptivity, listening with a sincere desire to support safety, to support uh, empathic listening, or so that the, these parts or energies of us feel heard, and uh, to support the conditions for integration. So I know that's a little bit more of a, <clears throat> a specific thing to do, quote unquote. You, you know, you might wonder, well, how much should I do it? And how long do I do it for? <clears throat> I, um, in some of the workshops, I've been talking about like the, a practice of threes. So my suggestion is to re repeat these phrases once, these three phrases just once. So you, it's not something that you're going to do on and on and on. But when, they, when, the, when the energy arises and you recognize it, to say, oh, uh, you know, uh, you, you might use a familiar form of recognition, like this is anger, or this is fear, or this is agitation, this is irritability, this is confusion, this is bewilderment, this is overwhelm. You can name it however you'd like. But then from there, I would say, creating this, this kind of heart response intention that you could repeat a few times, like these, these phrases, three, one time each, which is just to say, may I create the conditions to, so that this part or this energy feels safe, feels heard, and feels integrated. It's the feeling part that I think is important because it's not just a cognitive ex exercise. That, that the, the resolution or the integration of these difficult energies literally occurs within our body like there's a there's a different tone in the body there's a different tension or release in the body there's a different energetic sense in the body when these parts of us are are, are better integrated and harmonized okay i hope you enjoyed today's talk and as always i hope it gives you some reflection some perspective some suggestions for your practice and uh, once again, if you'd like to practice with me and Terry in an ongoing way, uh, when you get to the mat, if you, when you get to the cushion, if you're thinking to yourself, I just wish I had a little bit more support in my practice. I wish I had a little bit more of a virtual community that I could check in with, some, some, some friendly teachers that I could have an informal chat with or send, have an email relationship with to really just fine tune my practice. If that's of interest to you, do consider joining the Riverbird Sangha. This is an online practice community based on Qigong, Yin Yoga, and meditation. And we consider ourselves kind of the, the Sangha of one practice with many forms. Uh, the one practice is the awakening of bodhicitta, or the awakened heart consciousness. Um, and the forms we use are Qigong, Yin Yoga, and meditation primarily for that. So do check out that. And if you'd like to train with me this spring in the yin yoga teacher training traditional Chinese medicine module, check out the link in the show notes on that that takes you uh, to the course page on my website, which gives you the 
overview of the course, tells you how it runs, how it, what's included with it, and how it, how it all works. But it's a great uh, online, on-demand course that I produce now that you can take at your own pace throughout the spring. Um, if you register, or I should say our registration is open until April 15th, so tax day in the U.S. You have until April 15th to register, and you would have until the end of May, which uh, May 31st, to complete all the coursework. That's more than enough time uh, if you dedicate roughly, uh, say, six to ten hours a week on the on your on your training. Uh, you'll get through it all, and really, I think, be able to have a firsthand experiential taste of how the lens of Chinese medicine can illuminate and refine your practice of yin yoga, among other practices. So uh, do check that out. And with a final nod to our current moment, um, I'm just wishing everybody safety. I'm wishing everybody peace. Uh, my heart goes out to the Ukrainians and to everybody affected by this uh, cataclysmic trauma that we're all enduring. Um, but love to all, stay safe, Stay strong. Keep practicing. I look forward to seeing you soon. Take good care.